0: علمني أبي أن أكتب على حتى لا تعود وها أنا الآن أكتب أطول كابوس على For a status, I am Malihera Zazan. In
1: 2013, the award-winning Syrian filmmaker Talal Derki returned to his homeland to explore what had happened to his country through the lens of an Islamist family's experience. Abu Osama, a father of eight kids and a member of al-Nusra, the Syrian arm of al-Qaeda, and his relationship with his sons, who he hopes one day would follow his path to become jihadi fighters, are the subject of this film. Derki attempts to understand what makes people turn radical and what drives them to live under the unforgiving rules of a so-called Islamic State.
0: I left Syria at end of 2012 in order to edit my previous film, Return to Homes. So I went first to Cairo in Egypt. Then after that, uh, we do the selecting. That period, uh, the producer, Orwan Arabia, was uh, captured, get arrested by the government. And before of him, like the cameraman, a week before, get arrested. Not the cameraman, one of the main characters. In homes In Homes, yeah. Well, I was in Egypt one week before the producer. And I started selecting uh, the footage there, spent like three months. Then uh, I went back to Lebanon. And from from Lebanon, I spent like few months. But From Lebanon, I, I crossed the border again to Syria, illegally. I went to Homs, and I filmed the last block. And then uh, with the whole footage and the selecting material, we went to Berlin, 1st of June, to start the editing, 2013.
1: So the first time that you left Damascus, you went to Egypt?
0: The Syrian uprising started in March 2011.
1: And you left?
0: I left after one and a half year. I was working all Mm. this period from inside, like in the center of Damascus. Secretly, we living in the center of the Damascus, uh, my home in the center, my flat. Very risky to walk to be an activist because not only making films, we were like a group of anonymous cameramen and we were covering everything happen in different cities because the media wasn't allowed to cover or to work in Syria. The regime Mm -hmm. asked everybody to leave. And he didn't give permissions to any channel or any media to, to shoot or to tell what's going. So we was doing this secretly, filming with a high resolution. I trained a lot of cameramans there. So and
1: you were traveling around the country as well?
0: Around the countries, mm-hmm. uh, different cities during this period. Homes mostly like in the south to Dara where the revolution started, and then to the north to Kamishlo, in the Kurdish mm-hmm. area, and then to Idlib, to Alipa, to different cities, almost everywhere. And we were like around 12, 15, we, we can say 15 person worked, and we transferred the footage full HD by hand from Syria to Lebanon. It's, it's a dictatorship, and they control everything. Yeah. If you want to upload, have issue in that time, they would notice you. So the only way was by... So trans- you delivered it to... Wife, uh, my wife was doing this. She was also like pregnant, and she was also doing some preparation. She was writing also stories, and she was transferred this every week to Lebanon. So it's mm-hmm. four hours go, and four hours And back. who
1: did you give it to?
0: Reuters, mostly. Then we gave to CNN. We gave to Al Arabiya Channel, we gave to other people uh, uh, upon uh, request.
1: At what point you decided it was time for you and your family to live was Syria? It wasn't,
0: it wasn't my decision. I was really sad because I had the feeling that it's going to be end soon. And I want to be witness for this moment instead of sitting in a closing editing room and edit the film. So so i was crying very hard like i don't want to leave that was august and i was telling the producer i don't want to leave i want to continue i want to be here the beautiful moments still not coming and then we said no we have to deliver the film we have to go and that's how it's happened after i left and they arrest uh, the producer they arrest um, one of the character start to be really very risky for me to go and they start to terminate like to kill all of those who arrested Mm. not just to catch them for a while then they release them no they become very brutal and they're very very selfish with the the people
1: because tens of thousands of people were arrested and uh, many have disappeared
0: nobody know where they are we know that they get killed under torture so but uh, but how and where is the body so this is uh, this is it was a moment when when things become very chaotic and i thought staying in the center of the regime mm-hmm. because the damascus was in his hand staying in this region it's a suicide mm-hmm. because we will you will be an easy target they can easily learn about you or just if they have a doubt a little doubt they can uh, Investigating you, arresting you with no r- and it can be take very long.
1: But you risked your life on specifically two occasions and you went back home to try to document, mm. to try to find out what happened to your country, to yeah. understand both the physical destruction and also why has it been taken over by these extremists.
0: I mean, they, I had many questions in my head when I went back, because also in 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 my previous film, Return to Homes, it was more historical, telling what is going about the city. It didn't go deeply in the roots of violence and and what's happened. I met people similar to my main character in Homes, but the style of the film was totally different, and I couldn't really focus about this. So I was just uh, looking at at this two different uh, transferring. A local people who are against violence, who don't want to be barred with anyone, even with the Assad or with the opposition, they decide to leave. And all those foreigner fighters and all of those jihadists, they came. So Mm -hmm. it was like, it was these two directions that the local people, they leave their homelands. They don't know when they are back. And the criminals, they are coming. I feel a little bit guilty, and I know that I still have access there. I need to know how it's happened to be a radicalism. What is the roots? How a person become become a jihadist. And the so brutal. Brutal, and also about brainwashing.
1: So let's the talk process. about your film. For more than two years, you lived with the family of Al-Suri,
0: Abu al Suri. This is how they named.
1: He's an Al Nusra fighter in a small village in the Idlib province.
0: Actually, Al Qaeda mostly. Let's say he worked with Al Nusra for a few years. Uh Then he moved to other radical groups, similar, more fanatic than. But Anastasia. he doesn't
1: make that distinction. These groups have a splintered and have they rebranded themselves. But he identifies himself as an Al Nusra in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you said I wanted to penetrate the psychology and the emotions of this war, understand what made people radicalize and what drives them to live under the strict rules of an Islamic State. Mm -hmm. I wanted to establish a direct relationship between the protagonist and the audience and take my audience with me on a personal journey through a devastated country and a troubled society looking for answers to my desperate questions about the future of my country and the future of new generations who grew up there. So you go there, you live with Abu Osama's family uh, for two years. So tell us how that journey began. What did you need to do to prepare mm-hmm. to go to the Idlib province, to mm-hmm. that place? How did you pick that place? How did you pick him and that this family? Is this
0: is the area where all was unit there, like the gathering in that region, like Aleppo, Idlib, uh, Hamas. So even like where ISIS start, it start from there. Start the research, end 2013. Oh. And we found the family in uh, April 2014. So in the beginning, I I found the person. I start filming with him in uh, in February. And How did you find him? Not this, uh, oh. this uh, other other leader in other uh, radical group, and and I present myself as a moderate Muslim.
1: Didn't ask you what you when were I, doing there with a camera
0: no they know me because i was well known because of my previous film because of my work because of teaching people how to use camera and all of this so so they they know me i have many people many access there so i was fine like i it was very easy to find my way there but the main character the first character i was filmed with him he get killed later by isis But when I start after like one week filming with him, he asked to stop the shooting. Not directly, but he just disappeared, give me an appointment and not coming. And because he want me to pray, he want me to do exactly like them. He didn't like the word moderate Muslim. He said there is no moderate Muslim. There is Islam as like Muhammad period. Muhammad time or there is no Islam. This all of this thing that happened in all the Arab countries, this is not Islam.
1: Abu Osama did not even uh, and this
0: is why I decide hmm. really I, I understand, I recognize that there's no dialogue. Yeah. So you have to be exactly like them so they will accept you and uh, this is how you can save your head.
1: At some point during the film Abu Osama does not even consider ISIS credible Muslim. He considers them as disobedient. He mm, calls disobedient. himself mm. the al as mm. the obedient, yeah, obedient um, son. sons of the prophet. The opening shot of your film mm. um, shows kids t- yeah. playing soccer. It's a dreamy moment. The sun is setting. Mm. It's quiet. You mm. see the destruction, but it's still motion. you don't see the whole landscape. Mm. And the film ends with some of the kids loaded up in a pickup truck Mm. going to the battlefield. Was that a conscious decision on your part to start and then end the film like that? And what did you want to say? Kids play such a central role in this film.
0: I was telling a story about capturing your nightmares, A story of my father when he used to ask me to write my nightmares on a piece of paper so you move it from unconscious to conscious it's also a time when i had hunted by many bad dreams and ugly dreams and they start to appear like the radical uh, jihadist people i know they start to appear in my dreams i didn't have a direct clash with them before because we really like in damascus we live in an area where we had a life like open we can do mostly things you can do as a freedom part, not in political side. You just refresh your dreams and try to to get rid of the nightmares out of it and look at those kids as they are really, look at them. They are really normal kids. They are playing their footballs. They are hugging each other. They are full of energy, full of life. They can be different. You look at them and they are really normal, innocent kids. Slowly, slowly the image and the life and the training and the pressure over them uh, take them to the dark side.
1: But not fully. Not, mm. They still have those childlike moments. Yeah,
0: yeah until, the, until the end. Like they until are still the playing with it. This is actually like also dealing with the guns and weapons. It's kind of games for them. I don't give reason, but for us, when we were kids, we was running for like any cousins who have a gun, who want Mm -hmm. to hunt, and we want to go for hunting with him, and they take it as a game.
1: Your film, it's considered a war documentary, but you do not show dead bodies. No. You do, do not have battlefield scenes. No. What you show is how war not only has physically destroyed Syria, but it has normalized violence in such a way that it has become part of casual conversation between Abu Osama and mm-hmm. his sons yeah. and his other Yeah, the war, the war as
0: a legacy. Children. And uh, behind the scene, what's happening in the closing room, psychologically and the trauma, how the war affected Lives of people so and talk the education, about
1: that. because you show scenes of children beheading birds to imitate their father Osama.
0: He's the the biggest hero. My purpose was to show the real face of the man authority, like the father who control his family and want his kids to be exactly a copy of what he dreamed them to be. We talk about generations. They are not only this family, by the way. It's all of those countries. They told you what to speak. They told you where to laugh, when you have to laugh, when not. His name, from the moment he born, he named him Osama because he's in love with Osama bin Laden and he want him to be a junior Osama bin Laden. For a kid who born in 2003, all his memory connected to a war. And he have a radical father, all the society around him change from moderate Sufi to a Salafist. Even if he had a chance to have a normal future, they, they kill it. Mm. Those those people they don't have choice. And we talk about this type, this this sort of jihadist. Since they're born they only know war, so they are like blunt. What they ask them to do, they obey they are obedient, they are the best killer they don't have mercy and by looking at those kids by the the looking about their future you can understand that the upcoming years is also bad children all the law they are innocent and you look at them how they are transferred to be uh, a jihadist this is very it's very hurt
1: so what was it like witnessing those interactions hearing those conversations for two years
0: it 's bad experience because for me I have to to play this role all the time twenty four hours even when i'm when I like uh, when we stop the shooting and we make a break, I go to Berlin and start to edit because during these two years two and a half half of the time we were in Syria stand by with the camera and half of the time I was in uh, the cameraman was in Turkey I was in uh, I was in Germany. You have to keep the balance. Nobody allowed to feel me like when I'm party, for example, when I'm drinking alcohol at all.
1: You erase you, your social media. All
0: of it. And this is like was the most fearing all the time that maybe they will learn about me. Maybe they learn that my wife, for example, before we married was wearing hijab. Now, not anymore. After we married, she get rid of it. And because it wasn't allowed for her to do it until she can marry a person who are open-minded. Many informations about mm. me, my background, can bring me a dangerous or shot or something they can figure out, like email, something they can put me in a real
1: danger. There are moments in the film when you are sitting with these kids, with Ayman and with Osama, and yeah. you're asking them questions. Yes. How did you see them change over the two years that you were filming them?
0: They're just growing up, going more to the, this, like, sharia military camps. Mm. For many families, this is the alternative solution for kids to learn because they said, when we were kids, we didn't have a chance to learn the right jihad and we couldn't learn how to use weapons. Now it's a time for our children to get this gift, and they have to be prepared like because they believe in caliphate they believe that the caliphate is coming they want all of those people to be soldiers in this caliphate so he might dreaming that he He can be side by side with his children in the the last battle, what they call it
1: like. And they go through a complete military training. Mm. The 13-year-old Osama and the 12-year-old Ayman, they both enlist in the military camp. And they are also given... Combat uniforms, weapons.
0: It's sell it there. They have. Where where do they get them from? From the same cities. They sell it there. All this uniform this Afghanian, like uh, military uniform. All those jihadists they brought this. uh, All the areas changed quickly. Like in the time since those foreigner fighters came and those like Abu Ghraib prison and Sidnaya prison was, mm. was empty from all those criminals. And we talk about thousands of thousands of criminals. They released plus thousands of thousands those who crossed the border between Turkey and Syria.
1: So and Iraq and Syria. And
0: Iraq and Syria, yeah, those two countries.
1: Abu Osama was radicalized in uh, Setnaya yeah. and he was released after the uprising.
0: Yes. I can be sure who advised the Assad regime to do this, that just uh, release all those jihadists, and then it's become chaos. They will find money because they are experienced more than normal people. And suddenly, like, we were in the street, you were listening uh, to revolution songs, suddenly nobody bought these songs and the, instead the budji had songs.
1: So during the 2 years mm-hmm. that you spend with this family did you ask them about where their funding was coming from where they were getting their weapons No from? that
0: was not the direction of the film it's not investigating film about from where they get financing and where they bring their weapons if you ask me now they take all the most of the weapons that went to the opposition like from uh, from Europe from America they stole it they killed all those uh, moderate Free Syrian Army, those groups who they, uh, they were fighting for freedom, for example, they, they managed to, to stall their weapons and they got power of this by many countries. They get the green line to do that from a neighbor country, what officially. Um, I'm sure 100% about what's happened. How all those moderate group of fighters who was fighting for changing the dictatorship, to better one, they end up and they they, they they get killed and and what happened to their weapons. I, I witnessed it like day yeah. by day, uh, not only in the north of Syria. There was a program mm. to end the moderate opposition and to replace it with the radicalism.
1: There was a scene in the film that was very difficult for me to watch and that was when these al Qaeda extremists they captured those soldiers, young men.
0: Yeah, this is in the main prison of Al-Nusra. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and you zoom in on the faces of Mm -hmm. these young men that, of course, we don't know what happens to them. I know
0: what's happened to them. Can you
1: talk about what you were thinking and what was it emotionally like for you to shoot this scene? Because these young kids, they were scared, they were shaking, they were crying.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, tell you something like... uh, the prison scene, well, those are soldiers mostly or fighters belong to Assad, to the government army. And they are like young people actually mostly. And for me, I didn't know what's like. They asked me, we want you now to join us. They came to Bless where I'm staying and they asked me to bring the cameras with me and I went there. Until I reach the place, I understand that oh my God, I'm in the center, in the center prison of Al-Nusra, where it's not allowed to anyone to film, and they brought me to film there. So they want to f- make uh, like uh, some videos for those people, and I released a copy for them. But I was in the same time mm. we had the big camera, and I have the small camera, so I used the small camera. To zoom to those prisoners to look at their face and understand the war really, like it can remind you of the Holocaust, of the the genocide that happened during the Second World War and after. So it still exists the, 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 the brutal inside us, still eating others' lives of others' people, and it still happen. And they don't, they are there, hopeless, they don't have any anything to do except they try to please to beg for the prisoner for the gardens to release them so you look at the Abu Sama there the one who used to be a prisoners all his tragedy about the time when he were in a prison of the trade him yeah. in the asset prison now he become a garden in the prison like yeah, he's he become executioner. a jailer, executioner and he invest those people you see this this is war game like to be your enemy
1: so what happened to those young men?
0: They get killed the week after, mostly, except of three or four of them. They're released, and the other, they get killed. And this is the problem. I was filming them, and I was, as my sheb, I was looking as a jihadist, uh, how I survived. Mm. And, and had this with a camera, and they was looking at me in a scary way. They thought that I am the one who can release them. And they tried to ask me, please, we are innocent. We don't have anything. And, and I couldn't say any word to them. And if I made any s- simple mistake, I would be on the ground. i going to get killed and nobody learn about me. This scene is to remember that there are people innocent. They deserve to be alive. They are get killed in black rooms where no camera can film. Mm-hmm. But I just was mm-hmm. lucky to show their face to the people, to tell that those people, they get killed by the Al-Qaeda.
1: When you were taken to that courtyard, yeah. did you have second thoughts whether you should film these young men?
0: It wasn't in my schedule. This is thing happened to you when, do, when you do documentaries. You get a gift, like something happened suddenly. And you have to be ready for this moment. And I was, this is the direction. I don't want to see violence. All the videos that ISIS release, you don't about killing when they kill their enemies, execute their enemies. They don't see the face of the victims. You don't feel him. And I want to do the opposite, like to go very deep in their eyes. If they ask me, they didn't ask me to film their execute. I will never do it. So I was there a moment before they get killed. So even if they ask me to do it, I would say, no, um, I cannot do it. Find other one, please. Because this image, if I do this image, like filming person who innocent one or whatever he did, like getting killed under the hand of those criminals, this will remind in my memory, will never I n- will never get be able to get rid of it.
1: Because I read that that was a very very difficult scene for you to shoot. That was the most difficult part. It's of the,
0: the most difficult. I mean, it was. It came to me like a gift. You know, they mm. just brought me. I didn't ask for it. I just found myself there with the camera with Abu Osama and other leaders there and they uh, okay do some shooting for those and they was really proud about their factory that they captured all of those people and they uh, they take more lands and this is like the way I was uh, I was really confused that uh, what to do here I have to capture this moment in any way if I want mm. to use it in my film or not because this is a war crime happening right now mm. in front of my eyes and those people, you look at them, they are really, I mean, I mean, I don't care about political. Some moment when, when it's come to this moment, I said, I don't care about who's behind, who fight whom. Look at look, their eyes, they are miserable. I never see something like this since like this black and white image from the second world and from the Holocaust. And you look at them, they are really like those Jewish who take them to the Holocaust to, to burn them. What's the difference?
1: In the midst of all the tragedies in, in Syria and what you have captured in your film there are all these uh, rays of hope. For example, there is a difference between Osama and, and his brother Ayman. Yeah. Osama as you said, he looks up to his father, he wants to become a fighter. His <laughs> idol. His idol is his father. Yeah. But Ayman is a bit more disobedient, mm-hmm. he's creative, he wants to read. Um, He wants to go to school, Mm. and even Abu Osman says, I don't think he's gonna be a good fighter. I think he just, he 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 he, he wants to go to school. He gave up on him.
0: Yeah, because he spent most of the time with his mother. This part, I don't have it. Like, what's Mm. the conversation between him and his mother? It wasn't allowed for me to feel.
1: We hear their voices when he gets injured. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But you know the voice of women is not uh, allowed to be heard by strangers. This is the hope that even like 200 meters away from the further uh, upcoming caliphate, there's a normal school who teach people the poem, mathematic things about spaceship, for example, the song they are, they were sing it in the end.
1: So how did these two worlds live next to each other?
0: People need a normal life. They don't need this project. They don't need radicalism to control them. And they still do what they believe in.
1: So they don't control the village. They They just live in the village.
0: They live in the village, but they're still in a war time. So they are now just fighting. Mm. But when they win, they will start to focus about the other part. Mm. But they didn't win, so...
1: You went and shot your documentary in the country you had left. Mm. How different was what you witnessed from what you had expected when you first embarked on this project?
0: This is one of my nightmare that a place that was prepared to be the best place, like to get rid of the dictatorship time and enter to a democracy and freedom and more. Everyone can be more active in his in his country and in his life. This all this dream they are gone, mm. and instead of the the worth. So what is the worth? It's area are bombed all the time by Russia and Assad and in the ground there is no place for being a normal person like there is a radicalism who are growing and growing eating everything around it and the generation prepared to continue this war so what worth of this can happen everybody I know he left and some of them they get arrested and get killed and we become the nomad of the modern age. So so we split everywhere and uh, we are a person who want to have a home, who have this warmest, and to have a future and to to have a freedom. But it's not anymore possible because all the bad people are there. All those three cantons of Syria like Assad regime, the Kurdish fighters and the opposition and all of those three Bards that they are f- still fighting it's the worst. any moment anyone can arrest you without any permission, without telling anyone and you can take you somewhere where you will disappear that you you can mm. can get killed
1: at the end of the film. You say that I am leaving to my home to my home
0: yeah in Berlin yeah. in Berlin, yes
1: and um and you say i'm paraphrasing you don't recognize yes the place yeah. that you called home
0: mm-hmm. it's changed in a very bad way so so what is home i mean home it's what you believe it's your your behavior your habit your every every single act you do it from the morning until the end it's a peace it's a place where you know that you are going back and you meet your family and This is what I live in Berlin, Mm. like my family, my son, my wife, some of my relatives, friends. They are there, and they have a normal life, and for sure they face difficulties, but comparing with losing your life.
1: When you left Syria, when you were done with this project, was it for you a sense that you have lost Syria as a home? Forever. Permanently, forever?
0: Forever. For me, forever. Mm. Midlife life is short. I'm 40 years old and those people will never forgive me now or after 30 years. I will be always a target for them. If I can be an easy target, they will, uh, they will kill me. So I will not, I will not give this chance. I mean, to go to Damascus to the Assad regime and forget all those people who get killed in his prison and all those people who take their airplanes. And bomb the other neighbors and kill their neighbors to live peacefully with them. With those monsters, it cannot be happen. How it can be happen? Like their hands are full of bloods of their neighbors. It's a civil war. You know what civil war? You cannot. I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to say hello in the morning to anyone responsible for a war crime. I know, we are, we, mm. are, we are cameramen, we are journalists. You know, you see what happened to Jamal Khashoggi. They, they, can, they can
1: kill us anytime they want. We are the easiest target for them. I have to hide. That's all. You have been interviewed, you've been on television, you have a very active Facebook and Twitter. Does this mean you cannot go back to Syria?
0: Uh, I mean for like in the government like Assad No, regime, no, in the rebel held areas. No, and then yeah. Okay. They thought that uh, I belong to the Assad, the, to the Russian. Mm. They thought they are crazy. They thought that they saw this is atheist guy. We will we'll want to kill him wherever we can find him. They wrote me a lot of threatening mm. letters. Different people and one of the brother, two of the brothers of his Abu Osama bless, don't respect your personal freedom it's not to bless where you have to live. Uh, what is home? You can bring your roots with you. This is this is the st- if you are strong, you have your you. For example, you have your roots with you wherever you move. It's not necessary to be in Tehran to feel that it's home. You prefer, for sure, you will dreaming of that if it can be possible. But we born in this a uh, in this time of life where where our country are full of terrible and uh, bad people.
1: You looked for some answers about the future of your country. Yeah. So did you see anything that made you hopeful? And did you find hope anywhere?
0: I, can, I cannot say that there is no people like there. There is a people who are fighting for the hope. People like us, still there for their decisions, because of their decision or because of the circumstances. They cannot leave. They don't have the possibility to move, but they are fighting for better home. And I don't know if they can manage to have it. I don't say that it's totally end. It's never end. Look at all the history of all countries. It's never can be end. They still can be resisting. Still people like making their home better place. But as I told you, like we suffer a lot and, uh, and I tried all the time to kill the nostalgia. Mm. Like to to remember that the person I love, the country I love is dead. What is existing now is the cost of it.
1: A Fathers of Sons has won the Grand Jury Prize for World Cinema Documentary at Sundance, the same award Derkey earned for his previous film on Syria, Return to Homes. The 2018 jury saluted the director for his depiction of a quote destroyed world, a terrifying experience of war, and even more terrifying ways we as human beings adjust to it.